Captain Eric here, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History, where I'm covering all of the shows that either premiered or ended on Nickelodeon in between the dates of September 5th to September 11th. And this week, we're starting with a brand new show, as on September 10th, 2021, we will see the premiere of the brand new Smurfs television series on Nickelodeon, another Smurf series in the long-running Smurfs series. Uh, it dates all the way back from October 23rd, 1958, and continues on to this day as a as a beloved property in both television, film, toys, and, and even video games. The Smurfs have pretty much done it all and they're one of the most marketed characters I can I can think of. They're they're very beloved around the world. Um, and, and reading through the life of the creator Peo, uh, Pierre Peo Culliford, uh, who born on June 25th, 1928, and died on December 24th, 1992. Um, the, the poor man, unfortunately, passed away on Christmas Eve. Um, but what he brought the world was, it, it just, it the Smurfs bring so much joy. And honestly, I'm not the biggest Smurfs fan. Uh, I, I do like the Smurfs. I, I respect their place in our culture. Um, I, I respect the the love and admiration that fans have for them because the the first thing I think of, honestly, when I think of the Smurfs, is Andre, a black nerd comedy on YouTube, who is a massive Smurfs fan and and had the Smurfs in his in at least multiple intros. But I just picture him when he's dressed up as the Smurf with that big Smurf behind him. Like I think of that. Uh, one of my best friends growing up was a massive Smurfs fan. And I even have a family member up north, a cousin who had collected the little figurines, the Smurf figurines that were massive, massively popular and super important to the entire Smurfs legacy. Uh, just just a little bit about uh, Pierre here, um, because the, the merchandising of the Smurfs began in 1958, a year after their debut with the PVC figurines. Uh, they went on for, for a couple decades up until the late 1970s. Um, and they would just, there was just a Smurf for everything. They would just keep making more Smurfs. Of course, they would keep making new designs for Papa Smurf and Smurfette, you know, Gargamel, those, those one-off, those important characters. But they just kept building the Smurf Empire, you know, uh, you I don't know how many at the end of the of the lineup there are of just different variations. But I have to imagine that after a few decades, they reached in the triple digits of the amount of different kind of Smurfs you can name. There's, you know, Papa Smurf and Brainy Smurf and, and just go off in any direction of just any kind of Smurf. I imagine it exists. And then, of course, there's the the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Uh, that came out in 1981 that I, I think a lot of people remember like as as being their introduction of those characters as a young kid. If, if you were, you know, young and, and watching cartoons, you probably caught the Smurfs 
and saw the cartoon and then went on to collect the figurines and bought into whatever other Smurfs merchandise were coming out at the time. But either way, this was a lot coming from one creator. This was this man was just constantly pumping out Smurfs merchandise and Smurfs cartoons. And, you know, it's really great to see. And, and the one thing I want to say about Peo was I love the way that they uh, found a way to honor him in the 2011 Smurfs movie, the live action movie. Now, you know, it, it, it's a cute movie. I enjoy it. I enjoy Neil Patrick Harris. I like I like that uh, uh, Hank Azaria was Gargamel. That which is one of my favorite. Like Hank Azaria is one of the the best character actors of our generation. And to see him just take on Gargamel, it was a match made in heaven. It worked. It made it feel real. It made the Smurfs feel real. Uh, their designs, I, I could have gone without so much texture of the skin and of the pupil, but it's an enjoyable movie. And one of the things that they do in that movie is Peo was a real person and was a researcher who studied the Smurfs and hence his drawings like could still coexist in a world where the Smurfs were real it was it was just a very cute way of honoring the the man who created this entire franchise so if you're a Smurfs fan I hope the new series uh carries on the legacy of Peo to a to a decent degree and let me know what you think about it is it is it worth checking out Four years ago, on September 9th, 2017, Wally Kazam finished its run on Nick Jr. The show ran for two seasons, 52 episodes, and was created by Adam Peltzman. The, the one thing I have to mention about Wally Kazam, and I'll probably mention this almost any time I have to bring up Wally Kazam, uh, is that I was babysitting my cousin's kid at some point while Wally Kazam was new on Nick Jr. And the one thing I remember was a commercial in which they were promoting an upcoming episode with guest star Tony Bennett. And what was so funny to me was that the commercial really leaned heavily that Tony Bennett was going to be a part of this episode. They even had Tony Bennett on screen. And I'm laughing thinking like, I know they're they I know they're making this commercial for the parents but just do, do, is there anybody in this process who might think like man this is going to excite some 5-year-old out there that Tony Bennett is going to be on the next episode of Wally Kazam I don't know it just that commercial just made me laugh in that moment uh but yeah that that ran for a decent amount of time two seasons 52 episodes and and uh, from what I saw of the animation of what I remember looked pretty good Five years ago, on September 9th, 2016, we saw the premiere of Jagger Eaton's Mega Life, starring skateboarder Jagger Eaton, a uh, docu-series produced by Rob Deerdeck, ran for one season of 20 episodes. Eleven years ago, on September 6th, 2010, NFL Rush Zone premiered on Nicktoons Network. Directed by Roatash Rao, the show takes the concept of NFL teams and just adds that on top of a complete narrative structure with heroes, villains, and a space for a bunch of well-known uh, uh, NFL personalities to make their way onto the show. It ran for three seasons and 65 episodes. 
14 years ago, on September 8th, 2007, iCarly premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Dan Schneider, the show ran for six seasons and 97 episodes. And it is what I believe probably the most beloved live action series Nickelodeon has ever had. Um, there are certainly shows that are up there in its popularity. Shows like Drake and Josh, Keenan and Kel, all that, Victorious, Zoe 101, the list goes on. They're all very popular, but maybe it's because of the recent reboot and I just have recency bias, but iCarly just, I, it hit a certain level, it hit the right time, and I think it was just all the right pieces coming together. A lot of these actors were already you know, faces that you were used to seeing on Nickelodeon and you kind of watched them grow up and now they're playing new characters. Of course, I'm talking about Miranda Cosgrove and Jerry Trainer, both coming from uh, Schneider's previous show, Drake and Josh. But here they are playing completely new characters and just reinventing themselves right in front of your eyes and introducing us to some of the most beloved Nickelodeon characters out there. I can't say enough uh, good things about it. Uh, it. It stands the test of time. Um, certainly, the the reboot is is a beast of its own. It has matured with its audience, and I am thankful that Nickelodeon, Paramount, Viacom, wh whoever allowed it to do so. It's still appropriate for a family audience, while knowing that the real people who are going to tune in week after week season after season are going to be the fans who grew up with the original and if you if you keep speaking down to a younger audience those people might tune out and i think with that regard it's it's one of the most i'd say successful revivals i can think of and there's a ton of successful uh revivals out there but but this one just it's hitting everything perfectly and and i'm glad i'm glad all you know who came back did so uh, I, I would love to see Jeanette show up for one episode. I, I imagine that the fact that Miranda Cosgrove is an executive producer on this show and is essentially running it and is the captain of that ship, I, I, I would like to feel that Jeanette would feel safe going back, at least for one appearance. I would just love to see Sam, even for that, that one moment. Uh, uh, Gibby, I would love to see return as well. And I'm glad everything is, is going well for them over there. I, I hope it, it lives on just as long as the original series got to. 16 years ago, on September 12th, 2005, Jack's Big Music Show premiered on Noggin, the sister channel to Nickelodeon that aired pretty much all of the preschool content during the day and then went to the teen content at night with the end. I watched a lot of Jack's Big Music Show, um, not because I was a fan or anything, but my, uh, my younger brother was born in 2004. So this was on television right at that prime time when he would be watching Noggin all day, every day. So I saw a lot of Jack's Big Music Show, and from what I remember, it was a very adorable and enjoyable show. It certainly wasn't anything that I would run out of the room for. The show was created by David Rudman, Todd Harnert, and Adam Rudman. It ran for two seasons of 26 episodes. Also 16 years ago, on September 6th, 2005, we had the premiere of Go Diego Go on Nick Jr., the spinoff to Dora the Explorer featuring her cousin Diego doing more animal saving based missions, whereas Dora would, you know, go off to do fairy princess stuff or find whatever through the map. Nope. 
Diego is all about animals, saving animals, being there for animals, and teaching young viewers at least a little bit about animals. Uh, the show was created by Chris Gifford and Valerie Walsh Valdez, and it ran for five seasons of 80 episodes. 20 years ago, on September 10th, 2001, the television show Spunk premiered on Noggin. Yes, another Noggin show. It was produced by the Sesame Workshop and presented by Jonathan McLean and uh, is said to be and is said to be close in style to Whose Line Is It Anyway? It ran for one season of 26 episodes. 25 years ago, on September 8th, 1996, Blue's Clues premiered on Nick Jr. Uh, wow, this is a big one, and here we are. I'm I'm actually recording this on the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues. What a monumentous occasion this is. Blue's Clues was created by Tracy Page Johnson, Todd Kessler, and Angela C. Santomero. The show ran for six seasons of 143 episodes. Wow. 25 years of, of Blue's Clues, and, and may I say that I, I fully believe that Blue's Clues is to Nick Jr. as to what Spongebob means to Nickelodeon. Blue is, is an icon in her own right. She can be just as marketed to people of my age, those uh, those those people who grew up in the 90s, those 90s kids. Hey, we throw Blue right in with the other Nicktoons. She is just as welcome as any other cartoon character. And everything about that show just... I'm so glad it gets to live on in 2021. Uh, the most recent iteration, Blue's Clues and You... From all accounts, it's a massive success and really shows the staying power of this world and and this kind of television show, this this format, this product that we have on our hands. And the fact that the continuity of the show has maintained for 25 years and respected. Think about that. Sesame Street just celebrated 50 years. And for all intent purposes on that show, they've kept a basic continuity as far as adult characters coming in and out of the show. Of course, you know, there's a bunch of secondary Muppets that will, you know, show up out of nowhere and then they come and go as they please. But as far as, you know, certain aspects of the street and whatnot, they've kept a maintained a continuity. Blue's Clues has done the same. They've they've had to cycle out now three hosts, no disrespect to the multiple uh, international hosts of Blue's Clues out there. And don't worry, I'm going to give credit where credit's due to uh, to all actors out there. But um, let's start out with Steve Burns here. Uh, Steve Burns, Steve from Blue's Clues, is an absolute icon, is an absolute legend. And, and Steve Burns, the man himself, um, from every interview I've ever heard from him up to his absolutely nostalgic gut punching video that was posted uh, uh late last night uh celebrating the 25th anniversary of blues clues he seems like a genuinely nice person he seems genuine and honestly that's why blues clues works they have found actors who just come off as genuine guys um and I love to see that. I don't know. There's just something about it, especially children's television can can become real grimy at times. And sometimes you can see the blatant marketing. You can see the blatant 
um, just disgusting tactics that they'll try to sneak into shows. But some shows are just devoid of that and pure. Blue's Clues felt like one of them. And Steve was just felt like a trustworthy individual. And it's nice, at least knowing that the, the, the man behind that, the actor, Steve Burns, seems like just as genuine as his character was on the television show. Uh, I absolutely have have a lot of love for Blue's Clues. It was just one of those shows that even if I think you were out, we're out of the age range, it's it's nothing that's going to harm you. I think it's just one of those shows that even adults enjoyed watching. If you were a parent at the time that Blue's Clues was live on television, you can't tell me that you didn't get caught up in the Mail Time song. Uh, you didn't get caught up in the Goodbye song or all the Blue's Clues dances, hunting for clues. Come on. And even if you got overwhelmed with the amount of clue hunting your child did around the house, Aren't you kind of happy looking back that they did that? By the year 2002, Steve uh, stepped down from Blue's Clues. Uh, you got to imagine the amount of time spent talking to air, talking to a green screen, pretending to interact with inanimate objects around your house would kind of... It's a challenging job, but would kind of get, get, you know, old quick after a certain amount of time. It's 2002, Steve Burns stepped down. And the man to fill the shoes as the new head of the house was, of course, Donovan Patton playing the role of Joe, Steve's uh, younger brother, who was being brought in to watch over his house, his dog, um, his uh, salt and pepper shakers, his soap, his alarm clock, while he went off to college. Uh, it, it was an impactful moment, and man, I'm just saying, if you're uh, if you're someone around my age, uh and you're around today and you watched that video of Steve kind of addressing it and apologizing of how abrupt it, it was of him to just kind of up and leave and leave his brother in charge. I, you know what? That uh, Think about it. That was impactful for a lot of kids at that time. Now, at 2002, I was 11 years old. By the time I heard Steve was moving on and moving, going off to college, I, I was excited for him. Like, I was already outgrown from from watching Blue's Clues on any sort of regular basis or anything like that. So I was aware and understood of the actor like you do you, man, go on, go on to bigger and better things. Uh, and I was happy to see Joe. He, of course, was not as engaging for me as a host. I, I always will have a love for Steve, but your first will always will always have a bit of your heart. Uh, Joe, though, my brother, once again, being born in 2004, was around that time of watching the Joe era of Blue's Clues. So I saw my fair share amount of Joe, and I got to say, couldn't think of a better person to have the show passed on to. Joe was a wonderful host, and I think did a did a great job for the last few years of the show's run before it was uh, finished up on August 6th, 2006. And its legacy lives on in the form of the reboot, Blue's Clues and You, although it's hard to really call it a reboot, even though some things are different, like Blue's animation. It's a continuation of the story. So far, Blue's Clues and You is up to two seasons and 37 episodes, and even has a feature film on the way that apparently is going to be in theaters, I imagine, uh, about Josh and Blue auditioning for a Broadway musical. Uh, look, if they had Steve and Joe a part of that plot as well, because they're doing, you know, Steve and Joe have been a part of Blue's Clues and You f since the beginning. 
uh, in various roles um, that they play. You know, Steve and Joe, the characters, obviously have jobs now outside in the world, but they they play into plots, I guess, once in a while. Uh, and they're doing a lot of promotion for the 25th anniversary. So uh, it, it'll, of course, be nice to see if those two stick around for the film. Now, got to mention the uh, Steve Burns video that came out this this uh, last 24 hours. Uh, if you haven't watched it, check it out. It's just a nice, wonderful message about from Steve. People still think this guy passed away due to Internet uh, uh, rumors that have been debunked for like decades now. But there's still like if you go into any comment section of that video, you'll still see people like I thought he died like this poor guy. You know, one stupid post on E-Bombs World and then everybody thinks that like people for 20 years probably think you passed away. I have no idea. But uh, that video touched my heart and touched the heart of millions around the world uh, who grew up with that guy. And and, you know, it's it's just a nice little check in. I, like, please just give your do yourself a favor, but please get yourself some tissues ready because if you're if you were a fan of blues clues if you grew up with Steve you are you are not ready for the feels that are about to come from that video but um i'm i'm so happy that 25 years later we still have have blues clues around and we have those actors that we can still celebrate it's it's wonderful to see and i imagine 25 years from now there will still be somebody watching over Steve's house and his dog and his and his salt and pepper shakers and his alarm clock and and they'll still be hunting down clues with the kids of the world and and i hope that honestly happens 28 years ago on september 11th 1993 legends of the hidden temple premiered on nickelodeon created by david g stanley scott a stone and stephen brown the game show ran for three seasons of 120 episodes. I absolutely love Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's my second favorite Nickelodeon game show, obviously uh, right behind Double Dare. But because I, I, I would take the Slopsicle course over the temple, although I don't know. I got to share the Slopsicle course. Let me run that whole course myself. I could break the record, I'm telling you. But the temple, I have, I've died. I've wanted to run. Now, of course, the show is being revived this year for an older audience, premiering on the CW uh, for longtime listeners of my content. Uh, for for a while, I was I was tracking my my weight loss. That uh, I I want to let you know I've maintained since then, and I've gotten down uh, now forty five pounds from when I originally started. Uh, now I've kind of plateaued a little bit, but. I'm, I'm still moving forward with the same diet structure and I'm still increasing exercise into my life and eventually yoga is going to get back into my regimen. Uh, but yeah, I, of course, was not called for that show. But I, I just want to make one thing clear since this is brought up. One of the questions asked uh, of this uh, application form was, uh, like if, if selected, like what would be the craziest thing you would do to get on Legends of the Hidden Temple? And my answer is very was very simple. I want you to take whatever you think is the craziest thing that someone said and just know that I would do it longer than that person. 
I, like there's not I wanted to be on Legends of the Hidden Temple and I still do uh, if there's a second season of the show I'm still going to support that show no sour grapes on my end I'm going to continue to work out and if there's a second season of that show hey the ready crew is just going to keep getting behind me and we can get me on Legends of the Hidden Temple I want to run that temple I want to get to the shrine of the silver monkey and I want to put that monkey together in five seconds I'll, I'll, regardless of my size, I would be in and out of that temple before the temple guards even know to put their loincloths on this morning. So, uh, I, <laughs> the show was hosted by Kirk Fogg, and the point of the show was teams of two, all various colors and, and different animals representing different teams, uh, would compete in various physical and mental challenges, dwindling all of the teams down to one victorious team who would get to enter the temple, have one shot to enter the temple with a clear goal in mind, get to this room, collect this item, and get back to the entrance of the temple in time. Uh, now, of course, the big host of the show... Beyond Kirk Fogg was Olmec, a giant stone face who was the basically the co-host of the show who would, um, you know, uh, ask the questions that the kids would answer, would would give all of the historical information for whatever artifact we were going after because they did try to take actual history elements and weave them into the show. So you had something that was fun to watch and also a bit educational. So it was a very fun show. I enjoyed it. I it's one like it's a Nick uh, a game show that stands the test of time. Like it, it's not something that uh, that I feel like its age prevents it from being enjoyed right now. Like it's such a simple concept and and then well executed, especially on the temple part that you could watch this right now if you've never seen the show and enjoy it. Uh, and I would actually say uh, check out the television film that was created in 2016 based off of the Legends of the Hidden Temple game show that had the return of Kirk Fogg. We had Olmec, but it was a TV movie that premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, I, I loved just the idea of taking their game show concept and then making a, a, a like a live action TV movie about it. Uh, I wish they would do things like that more often, real outside of the box, like Hail Mary type. You never know how something's going to turn out until you do it. And lastly, this week, 33 years ago on September 10th, 1988, we saw the premiere of Kids Court. Created by Alan Goodman, Albie Hecht, and Fred Seibert, the show ran for one season of 26 episodes, and uh, it's it's what you it's what you think it is. It's kids' court. Uh, I I think there is something to this concept, and Nickelodeon has tried a few times of having a serious style show. I mean, not saying that this was serious. I don't know if it was a if it was meant for comedy or if it was a serious type. Not like serious like the kids were really taking this seriously, but um but Nickelodeon has tried things like this where kids voices do matter. And and I think there is something to this concept and and just I guess um it it claimed to utilize grievances made by children ma mailed to the studio. Each side of a grievance would be represented by a child in the audience. And at the end of their argument, children in the audience would cheer. The Judgeometer, a cardboard rendering of an English judge with wig, with peak meters for eyes, would measure the decibels of the screaming, cheering children. And the side that generated the most screaming and cheering would win the argument. Oh, yeah, just like how real court works. <laughs> Can you, I, I can, can you imagine if they actually like just take 
like the idea of Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown, but it's just kids. Just find a charismatic kid to be a judge, to hear grievances of actual kids from around the country coming in to brothers. Hey, this my brother broke my toy. Why'd you do that? Well, because of this. Well, we find you guilty. And like, Come on, take that element and just put some level of seriousness to it. And I think you would find yourself a, a fun show, even if it's just done in jest. Like little things like your punishment is... Yeah, you're one week without your Xbox. Like, something silly like that. I don't know. But that is this week in Nickelodeon history. Thank you for coming along. If you enjoy any of the content I create, please like, subscribe, comment, do anything that other than pressing play that you feel like you can do. It is all appreciated on my end. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew, and we will see you here next week. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick. On the Lord of Hibbert, Nick, Nick. On the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one, Nickelodeon.